Nobody can see me, but that's part of Actually, everybody can see me. For now. <laughs> you destroyed it. All that work. I, uh... No need to get bent out of shape here. I've got this, dudes. You're staying the night at Cock Goblins after having some fun. The next morning, the plan is for Syndra, that masked old woman, uh, to come in the morning to take you to the teleportation circle and to send you to Port Nyanzaru, which is the only city in Cholt. In the wee hours of the day, when the sky is at its blackest and most normal people in Cock Goblins are fast asleep, cocking their goblins, what is everyone's nighttime ritual? I guess I wanted to ask first. So, Rekt, what do you do every night? So if we're at Cock Goblin, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to be spending the night, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that I'm going to have a lady or two with me. Sure. Be like, sorry, ladies. <laughs> it's a it's a 68, you know. <laughs> you do me, and I'll and I'll owe you one. Uh, this is a great way to start. All right, so you do that, and then uh, after relieving yourself, you have the room to yourself. Spend the night resting. Gator, what do you do? Uh, Gator couldn't bring himself to associate with any of the women after the day's events. He feels a strain, like he would be uh, deceiving someone who's who's captured his imagination in that way. Uh, so he just got drunk and fell asleep, sitting up against the wall of his room. And then uh, he his normal procedure is to wake up early and do his meditation and work through his his martial arts meditation early in the morning. How, how does Gator meditate? What does that look like? Well, he centers himself. So he kind of just like stands in the middle of the room and he's got his, you know, his arms down to the sides and he's kind of rocking back and forth like this. And then he gets down in a full squat and he kind of just rocks back like this and the whole time he's going and then he starts throwing his forearm and then he works up to his elbows and then he starts throwing knees and kicks and then he he, uh, always ends with a standing backflip and then he's out of breath oh absolutely Uh, alright someone's gotta be beating on that door shut the fuck up (laughs) What what does Tuck do at night like what's his ritual well, you know, he's kind of like meeting all the people. Like, what? Hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? And like talk, you know, the workers and stuff. And at the same time, like he's kind of looking around to see if there's maybe something he can steal. And if he finds anything valuable. And then, I don't know, if there's like a burlesque show. Um, what kind of stuff would he be interested in? Like uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight my cash. All right. He didn't have like a lot of money, so get by. Just if he sees the opportunity, he might take it. I'll say during your survey, you did find something you hadn't seen before, which was a set of uh, furry handcuffs. You can have those if you wish. And I've only seen furry. I mean, I don't mean like furry, like I'll take them. You, I mean like you know, pink fluffy handcuffs. And uh, Dennis, what's Dennis's nighttime like ritual? Every night. If Dennis has access to it, he will have his sword. God damn it. Look at all those fucking... Anyway. 
when he has access to it, he will swing his sword a bunch of times in practice. Then he will kneel and think about the day ahead and what he needs to do. And then he will have a glass of warm milk and go to bed. But if he's not able to have a glass of warm milk, he will do the other things and then just go to bed. He's not a pussy. And I guess finally, Archibald, what's your ritual? And like, and then also, how did you spend the night? So in the the excitement of having a um, a tome just chock full of necromancy magic, he's now following his normal ritual. Yeah, is just buried in this book the whole time. And just upon entering the inn, when everybody goes and finds a table, he just kind of like wanders into the nearest seat he can get to. He's just pouring over it um, at like some some chance he'll go up or like get a room and go up there. Just spend the night going over it. And occasionally there'll be like a boom or um, some like loud yelling coming out of his room as he's practicing these different spells and incantations. Yeah. I'll say with your check, you did a, you did a, you're pretty satisfied with how you're able to manage to copy the book despite not really sleeping much the night. And uh, a couple of times through the night, he'll come down to get um, some type of like refreshment. And you can see each time he comes down, he's more like frazzled. Yeah, the, uh, the brothel doesn't really have a great kitchen staff because it's just Dinkin. Um, so it's usually um, just like a hunk of bread and um, some sliced off cheese and then some fruit that was probably like on the discount rack of the market. It's like already pretty shriveled with some brown spots on it. What do you mean? Is it the chicken on the sign? You don't serve <laughs> chicken here? <laughs> it's a figure of speech. Well, give me the cheese and... I stopped serving chickens after the health inspector started coming. And in the middle of the night, um, some of you sleep well, some of you have some difficulties, and Wrecked is having a terrible night, tossing and turning, and your mind is just filled with thoughts of periwinkle, hunk, hunk, <laughs> huck, huck, who just died previously, hunky huck, and uh, cholt. And then finally, at some point, yeah, you settle on something that calms your sleep. It feels like it might be a memory, could be a dream, but you find yourself seated at a central table at Cock Goblins, nursing what's left in your mug, while an unopened bottle of the kind of well-known spirit called Devil's Taint sits on the table. <laughs> Dinkin and uh, none of the other staff are in sight, and you're basically alone until you, you hear some like kind of pounding and some huffing and puffing sounds. Huck comes barreling out of one of the rooms nearby, breathing heavily. He has a shit-eating grin on his face. What do you do? Uh, I guess I would shout out to him. Who, who, who was you in there with? Hello there, Wrecked. <laughs> Me, I was, uh, you know, doing what a bird's gotta do. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. And uh, well, let's just say fine clientele here, they, they get it done right. Let's have a cheers to that. And he'll pick up that bottle of Devil's Taint. Alright, and uh, when you open it, the thing it's kind of more notorious for is like as soon as you open a new bottle, it has this really foul smell that smells like someone's ass crack. But it's supposedly supposed to taste really good. Uh, so you pop open a bottle. And uh, right around that time, uh, you see Periwinkle kind of around the corner. And you remember this is this looks like Periwinkle before he died the first time. And he's got a broom and he's kind of just sweeping stuff up. And he sees you and Huck. And uh, he's like, hey guys, what's going on? And he kind of like, waddles over and uh 
grabs the, like the back of one of the chairs and kind of just peering over it, looking at you. You guys are up late tonight. Yeah, you haven't partied with us for a while, you know. You always working now. He like looks at the bottle and he's like, "Hey, what's that?" Oh, you know. Get in on this over here. Get in here. <laughs> and I'll grab him and I'll pull him in tight. Take a swig. Come on, boy. Put some hair on your balls, boy. It's like okay, but don't don't tell Dinkin, all right? Fuck Dinkin. And uh, he like grabs like a stained, nasty mug that someone had been using previously, and he just kind of grabs it and pulls it. And himself. I'll spit in it and I'll and I'll clean it for him. <laughs> He's like kind of a little confused. He's like, "That's not normally how I clean them," but all right. And uh, he'll hold it out for you to fill up the cup. And while looking at, while this is going on, he's kind of like looking at Huck. And Huck is like looking back at him. And they got these weird looks on their faces as they look at each other. Kind of like, they're like both looking at each other like, yeah, all right. Keeping my eyes open for Dinkin. So you fill up the cup, pours a little bit in a glass just for Huck as well. And he's like, well, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you guys have really been like family to me. You make coming to this place every day worth it. I hope I, well, I hope I can, we can be together forever. Cheers. And holds up the cup. Cheers, little man. Cheers now. And uh, as you consume the alcohol, it goes down really hot. (sighs) Just like, you know, ever clear. He drinks it and he seems to be completely unfazed by it. And uh, after he drinks it, he smiles and he kind of feels, he looks very satisfied with himself and he just starts, like you can just see him, like he's starting to dry heave. He just starts convulsing, and he looks very panicky and worried. And he kind of grabs on erect, and he kind of drops to the ground, and he's starting to convulse on the floor. What do you do? I'm going to pat him on the back. I remember my first Devil's Taint too. And then you, like, look up to kind of con- reconfirm that, you know, with Hucked. And this time, when you see Hucked, he looks completely different. He looks like he's got the same expression on his face. He still looks a little hot, a little bothered. But he has lost all of his feathers. <laughs> and uh, just... Pink skin, head to toe. Yeah, you just notice that all of his feathers are gone, like he's been plucked. Fuck, you all naked now too? What the hell? You cold? What are you talking about, boy? That's how I always look. Come on, let's get another drink. Look at yourself, you got no feathers. You got no feathers too, boy, come on. <laughs> Throw periwinkle up. <laughs> I want to pick periwinkle up off the ground. And, uh, how's he looking? All right, so you flop him over, take a look at him. And as soon as you flip him over, his mouth just opens up. And it opens up probably about six or seven inches farther than it should ever be physically capable of doing so. A fountain of worms that just burst out of his mouth and just cover you from head to toe. And they spray across the room. It's almost like a fire hydrant. Drop him. When you drop him, it's almost like the same thing as when you drop like a high pressure hose. And he's just like flopping around and the worms are like (laughs) flying everywhere. You notice they're not just worms now, but they're leeches. And they start to cover Huck. And because he has no feathers on them they're just like chomping and you can just see like almost instantaneously the worms are like sucking blood out of his body and they get bigger and bigger i'm gonna take that bottle of devil's taint and i'm just gonna pour it over maybe the alcohol will get the leeches off boy what's the matter with you what are you doing get out of me you got leeches all over what you your blood. so at one point he basically looks like this picture he's just head to toe you wrecked can't make out any of huck anymore he's just covered in these leeches and Periwinkle is stopped, laying there motionless. And at this point, the room itself, all of the end, it's just from floor to ceiling, all of the walls are just covered with leeches. You can't even make out any of the old furniture or the walls anymore. And as these leeches start to fall off each of the walls slowly, one at a time, 
once they fall away, you don't see the wall that was there before, but you start seeing pieces of jungle and of trees, plant life, foliage. Uh, you start seeing rivers. You can start to see like the mist kind of roll in from the places where they fall off the wall. And you can see Periwinkle is still there, but now he's emaciated and his skin has turned gray and almost an like olive color. You can see that there is this inverted blue triangle on his forehead. So I would drop down on my knees and cradle him, his little body in my arms. It was just, it was just a sip. It's just a sip. What the fuck? When I see that blue triangle, it's on his forehead. Yeah. I'm poke it. Poke. <laughs> you poke it and his neck just snaps off and his head rolls on the ground. God damn it. And then you wake up. Gator. Gator is also plagued by visions of a different kind. You dream of a vast jungle with sweat beating on your brow. You stand knee deep in a gentle river. Rain clouds form overhead and begin to splash down on your shoulders. And your vision follows the stream to the foot of an ancient ziggurat. At the pinnacle stands what looks to be a younger version of your grandfather, Ironjaw. Pieces of bone and skull adorn his body. He holds a staff with a human skull fixed at the end. He sees you watching, and he gives you a toothy grin as he extends his hand. Gator pumps both of his fists in the air and says, Grandfather! And he just yells out, Come! Gator just marches toward the ziggurat, the intent to climb it. Each step you take, the ziggurat seems to get smaller. Like, you thought it would only take, it would take you like 50 steps to climb it, but it feels like it only takes five or six. And you're at the pinnacle. And you stand face to face with this guy. And you're so close to him, like you're almost nose to nose. As he goes to open his mouth to say something, suddenly his chest cavity explodes. And in a spray of bone fragments and entrails, you are covered. The rain begins to pour harder, faster, and the sky blackens. And as the orc collapses forward in a heap in front of you, his still beating heart is extended in front of your face. In the hands of a dark-skinned human, with white face paint and a blue triangle on his forehead. Sting? <laughs> oh, Sting, that's the crow. Completely over any kind of mourning, and goes immediately to rage and picks up the staff of his grandfather to strike this figure with. All right, give me an attack roll. So you swing at him and he immediately just ducks right under it. And then he's able to swing his arms around yours as your arm is extended when you swing the staff. He wraps his arm around yours, and he has you in a full Nelson now. Knew it was coming. And uh, <laughs> he kind of leans down and kind of forces you down to one knee. He's like putting pressure on you, and he's like stone cold silent the whole time. Uh, so I'm forced to one knee in a full Nelson. Mm. Uh, I'm going to reach up and grab the back of his neck and just roll forward off the ziggurat. All right, so you grab him, pull forward. The momentum just keeps, has you like in a human snowball as you kind of somersault down the ziggurat to the base. And once you hit the ground, he is on top of you, looking down right on your face. And he gets really close and he puts his mouth right beside your ear. And he just says, Sching. and then you wake up. And everyone, in fact, wakes up because suddenly you hear the pounding on your door and you hear a small gruff voice. Hey, it's Dinkin. Uh, get up. Get the fuck out. A bunch of cloaked weirdos are out there waiting for you outside. Lock the door. I don't open till the sun goes down. It's not a fucking bed and breakfast. Just, just a few more minutes. You can hear his footsteps as he's already walking away. Go back to my studies. How about Tuck? Well, I guess once he hears that, 
he kind of does like that cat thing where when a cat wakes up, like just kind of like stretches the legs and gets like really tall, but like on all four legs and then like the tail stretches out. It's like, so it comes to the, like he goes, meow, what's going on? And uh, after you do your morning stretch and look up, you can see that there is a raven just outside the window of your room. It's got some sort of uh, a bundle of scrolls tied to it. It's back. And it's pecking at your window. Birdie. Hey, little birdie. And like goes up and uh, opens the window. And the little bird comes in. And you can see there's a bundle of scrolls tied to its back. It easily pops in. And you recognize this raven, actually, as this uh, looks very familiar. It looks like the raven that Zahn from the circus uses. Hey, dirty bird. Long time no see. The bird kind of like shakes its head, kind of like ruffles its feathers, and kind of turns its back to you. And then kind of <laughs> jumps backwards, kind of indicating for you to take what's on its back. I will do so. As you take the scrolls, that dragon that you found in that dungeon had followed you to the end and it was sleeping in your room. It had been crouched in the corner. And as soon as you take the scrolls off the back, the dragon flies through the air and just takes the head off the raven. And just starts chomping into it like a cat attacking a bird. Oh no! <laughs> Why'd <laughs> you a... have to do that to old dirty birdie? <laughs> there's like black feathers just flying up in the air, very cartoon like fashion. This is ripping it apart. And uh, you can hear the dragon like emote to you in your mind. This is hungry, very hungry. Yeah, Louise, you could have just gotten you some food, not give you a dirty birdie. This is what's on the back. Seems to be like a poster that you recognize from your circus. And there is a uh, note attached to it. It says, Tuck, we will arrive in a ten day. I don't know what strings you pulled, but spread these flyers about after you arrive. Zahn, as you recognize this as the poster for your circus. And it specifically says, Coming to Port Nyanzaru. Dwarf acrobat, eh? I guess my work's <laughs> never done. And finally... I imagine I woke up early to meet my uh, Harper friends outside. So Syndra and five other robot individuals uh, all of them with their hoods up. You come out first in the morning. She'll just say, "Ah, good morning, Dennis. Hope you're well rested." Yes, I'm very well rested. There were no cock goblins last night for me. Ha ha ha. She like puts her hand on your stomach and she says, "Did you eat? You look skinny." I'm always skinny. You know this. It's a medical thing. We've talked about this before. Ah, your condition. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, here come your friends. Would, would wake up in the morning in the bed. You served your purpose, ladies. Have a good night. And then he'll just and then he would have sprawled out on the bed completely naked and just <laughs> went to sleep. And then he wake up in the morning. Do you Ugh. keep your helmet on? No, no, no. Safety first. He is completely naked. He don't even have sex with socks on. No. And uh, so he wakes up. He looks around his room. Is there any booze laying around? Any bottles of anything? Uh, whatever you had drank last night, maybe the remnants right. of that. But uh, one other thing, though, is I want you to make a con save when you wake up. Con, con, con. No STD whammy. No. Ooh. All right. So, not bad. Um, yeah, not bad. So, despite you know going to bed drunk and having a uh, a, a late night, an active night, and the bad dreams, uh, you're able to to still feel like you got significant rest. So you do not have a point of exhaustion when you wake up. So there's some shitty beer laying there, some leftovers from the night before. It's all flat and warm. And he'll grab it. And he'll, Hair of the dog. 
drink it down, and he'll gurgle a little bit. <sighs> Swallow it like mouthwash. I guess he'll put on all his gear. Check. Got my axes. Check. Battle axe. Check. <clears throat> yeah. Handcuffs. Check. Uh, I need a bottle for the road. So when he goes downstairs, he's going to be looking around for any bottle. I guess there's no patrons yet, right? No. It's too so early. Are there any bottles like out in the open that he could just snag on the way out? Oh, yeah. You can find those. So he, he'd want to snag a, a bottle of that devil's taint since it was in his mind from last night. You can find uh, he has two, looks like, left. All right. So he's going to go to find one. He's going to look through the, the trash pile of bottles, you said? Let's see if there's an empty one there. Uh, there is not. Can't oh, find one. Damn. It's very expensive. I want to say he tried to take the peel, like peel the bottle, peel the label off, and stick it on another bottle, and then fill that bottle with his morning's piss, and then put it back on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is gonna be a great prank. <laughs> <laughs> this bottle got wrecked. The stories, the stories of my infamy will live on when I'm gone. So. You do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> no one's Simple enough. You. I thought I was going to have to do like sleight of hand and dexterity and stealth and everything else. No, it's, there's no one around really. Awesome. Archibald will come down the stairs just in time to see Rex like uh, finish off his piss into the bottle and I guess <laughs> throw it up on the shelf. And he will not say a word. He'll just walk out. True <laughs> So I need a con save from Archibald as well for kind of staying up through the night, being very active, not really getting any rest. It's uh, I got an eight. An eight? Okay. Uh, you will have a level of exhaustion to start right. today, which is disadvantage on ability checks. So Gator gets up and he works through his whole routine, except for he has a specific figure in mind, that face-painted figure with the blue diamond on his head. That's who he is hitting as he works through his routine <laughs> and then uh he finally kind of lumbers downstairs to uh join the group so about the forgery he's gonna toss the book into the fireplace and then cast create bonfire on it all right uh, i'll say this since everyone's gotten up around the same time uh tucked also sees this actually what are you doing oh uh well yes can i offer you a drink my um what was your name again? Tuck. And then he starts to get into his uh, dancing routine. And then some of the uh, the cock goblin dancer girls come in. Just, it just seems to be like on cue. They come in and they start doing this uh, number and dance show as he introduces himself. Ah, uh, yes, Tuck was it. Yeah, there we are. And uh, Archibald is kind of like clapping a little bit, but also. Is the book pretty well burned by this time? If you were to look in the fireplace, you can tell, clearly tell a book is being burned in the fireplace. Very, very nice showing. Encore! Encore! At this point, like, he's, he's at, like, the, 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 final, the final part of the song, and, like, the dancers are, like, all, like, kicking their feet up, like, on stage, and then, you know, it ends, you know, with, like, talk just being, like, and that. Why I fuck? And then you know, kind of like take the hands up. Like, da, 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 da. Very good, very good, Nucked. I certainly won't forget your name now, Nucked. Now, where's that book I gave you? I need to go go deliver it. Ah, it's just right out here. And uh, he'll start. He'll put his 
arm around him quite gingerly, trying to like not touch him too much. Because <laughs> you know, better lead him outside. <laughs> you see his uh, bulge start to to wag a little bit. And as you're like exiting the end, you can just hear Dinkin like, "Who the fuck started the fire?" And he's like, you can hear him like scrambling around. It's summer. <laughs> and outside, you can see Syndra waiting with Dennis and uh, these five cloaked individuals. And uh, she'll see Pemberton and everyone kind of roll out and say, ah, good morning. Everyone's here. Fantastic. Come. All the ruins are in place. Follow me. I'll take you to the teleportation circle. And they start leaving on foot. Is Romalia among them? She's not there, no. Gator seems disappointed. Sindra will pick up on this, and she'll, the masked old woman comes over to you and just puts a hand on your shoulder, and she says, Romalia is uh, taking quite an interest in the amulet that you gave her. I heard she's been researching it nonstop since the events of the other night. And Gator goes, Really? Give me an insight check, Gator. <laughs> yes, really. And he just kind of gets a... A slow, wide grin on his face. He goes, <laughs> and then he um, walks along, confident again. As Rick walks, he just throws he just throws one of his hand axes, like twirling it up and down like this the whole time. He's <laughs> walking, it's like something to do. All right, how how close do you normally stand to Pemberton? I know this is a weird question, Rick, but I need to ask. Normally, you <laughs> when you're when you're who do you stand next to? Oh, I think it'd be closer to my orc brother. You're like a master at throwing these things, right? And you're like tossing it up to yourself. And we'll say that you and uh, uh, Gator are to the, to the right. And we'll say Pemberton, since he was pushing uh, tucked along is off to the left. We'll say Dennis is in the middle. Whenever you throw it to yourself, you, you like drop your axe like two or three times. It keeps pulling itself to the left. That's fucking weird. I do this all day. All day. Fuck. You'll start to see like pinpricks of sunlight. It'll start to bleed through the wood. It's very cool summer morning and in the middle of the woods you'll see an intricate pattern of a five-pointed star interlaced with semicircles that cover the ground and uh Sandra will stop and she'll say here we are in this little grove here and she'll point she'll say i need you to arrange yourselves on each point of the star doesn't matter where but just stand on that point and don't move and gator says that looks like the senior on the Necklace that I gave to Romalia. I guess it must have helped her in her preparation. And she just looks at you and kind of nods. You can't see her facial expressions because of the mask, but she just says, indeed. <laughs> and he kind of just like proudly strolls over to the closest point. I'm going to tap, tap Gator in the bag. Doing good, bud. Excuse me, miss. Is this taking us to Chult already? I, I have a something I'd like to post. See, is this... Uh... She just kind of just looks at you with her masked face and says, what would you like to post? Well, it, it's a bit of a private matter. Criticism of Barack Hussein Obama on my mom's Facebook wall. <laughs> what? <laughs> she, she <laughs> Shut up, nerd. Get on the fucking point. She hands the hand and she just says, I'll have it taken care of for you. Um, I trust that I can trust your discretion in this matter. Consider it a favor as uh, to your father. If you remember. <laughs> <laughs> we, we fought. We were close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Can I get an insight roll on this chick? Um, seems genuine. A wave of confidence comes over and he eases a bit as he thinks about his father's relationship with this woman. And he'll hand over a, um, it's like a brown package. It's like woven up with some twine. And where should I have this sent to? Pimberton Manor. As fast as it can be. Is that over by Daggerford? Yes. Far side. North of Sucumber. Oh, shit. About to have a crossover. <laughs> and uh, she just nods and she hands it to one of the attendants. And she says, it'll be taken care of as soon as the teleportation is completed. Thank you. Now, please, there's... Just one more thing. Yes? I, I would like to thank you personally for keeping his memory alive. There's too few men like him in this world. I imagine too few ladies like yourself. And then he'll just saunter off. Dirty, nasty hoes. Now, before we begin, there's a couple of things I need to distribute for some requests uh, from the Hoppers. Uh, Dennis, and she walks over to Dennis and she says, uh, Ramali asked me to hand this to you. She said you would know what it means. And she hands you this. This will only pop up one Dennis's screen. Um... But you can just see the scroll, and it looks to have like a charcoal sketches of two individuals with some notations of names. I see. Thank you. I understand. I just put it in my pocket. It's a. It's just a handwritten note that says, "Lose my number." <laughs> <laughs> and then Archibald. I uh, almost forgot. Yeah, I did some digging around, and I know you're interested in what happened to your father. And uh, well, I found this. She hands it to you, and she says, some sort of agreement between your father and the Flaming Fist. Terms of service, it seems like. Ah, well, this will go a long way in my investigation and hopefully in uh, getting these charges cleared up. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's just an end-user license agreement that nobody reads. (laughs) And uh, finally, seeing I know your background as a cartographer, Archibald, I'll have you take this with you as well. And uh, it's just, she pulls out this much larger s- scroll wrapped in um, some sort of uh, hemp rope. And uh, she says, I give this to you with the weight that countless hours of work, potential lives have been lost collecting this information. I give this to you in the strict hopes that you can use it to, to find what's causing the death curse. Know that if anyone knows that you have this important Yanzara, there will be people who seek it. This information is some of the most valuable you can have in that region. And uh, it's this massive map of Chult. And out of character, uh, the darkened regions are unexplored portions of the continent. Uh, Everything else is known regions or anything that's noted are locations that uh, Syndra has found the name of somewhere, a record. And has noted it on the map where she could. The black space looks like a Pokemon that we haven't found yet. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? Krabby. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> Everyone's well, disappointed. You have my doubled thanks. And I will keep it secret and safe. And hopefully I will return it to you with much more filled in. Very well. And you got to point out, uh, Pemberton has absolutely no intention to give it back to her ever. <laughs> You are arranged on the semicircles on the five uh, points of the star. She turns to everyone. She says, hold on to your butts as they start the incantation. 
And each of the attendants, the five that were with her, are going to stand like right behind you. And as they're behind you, they're kind of like lifting their arms up and down and they're all chanting in unison. And you can feel like your legs uh, feel heavy, like they're pulling, pulling you down to the ground. And much harder than you envisioned to stay on this exact point while this happening. Yeah, there's like a natural urge to keep your balance and not feel like you're being pulled down or fall over. There's also a rush of blue light that's coming out of the ruins on the ground, and it's kind of difficult to maintain your composure. And I want everyone to make a charisma check. Charisma. All right. So as this is going on, you see a couple things. In the middle of the uh, teleportation circle, right as you feel like your body is starting to come apart in different places. So you see Periwinkle in the center of the teleportation circle. He's emaciated. He has pieces of his flesh falling off, and there's the inverted blue triangle on his forehead. I just fucking gawk at him. And with that, everything wipes out, and then only a few seconds later, you feel the ground on your feet again. And Dinotopia! That's what I was thinking. <laughs> You appear in a tropical city under the blazing sun. The familiar sounds of a harbor creaking ropes, slapping waves, heavy barrels rolling across cobblestones, mingle with voices shouting and cursing in an unfamiliar language filled with clicks, inhalations, and singing sungy words that make it sound almost musical. The aroma of unfamiliar spices, corn. tropical fruit, corn, and uh, mixed with the wharfside smells of fish, tar, and canvas. Beyond all that, Port Nyanzaru is an explosion of color. Buildings are painted in bright shades of blue, green, orange, salmon pink, or their walls are adorned with murals portraying giant reptiles and other mythical heroes. Every building sports baskets and clay urns of colorful flowers or is draped in a leafy, flowery vine. Minstrels in the street perform on street corners. A crowd of children dressed in feathered hats and capes races passes you, squealing in delighted terror as street performers costumed as big-toothed lizards stomp and roar behind them. The whole city seems to be bustling, sweating, laughing, swearing, and singing. What's everyone's uh, reaction to this environment as you arrive? Let's start with Tucked. I'm going to get to this. You know, he's been here before, and uh, I mean, he, he spent many, much time here, so he just comes in, strolling through. Maybe like looking for people that he would recognize, maybe. Um, maybe like passes by like some old lady. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Passes another guy and he's like, oh, hey, you're looking good. Like Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And uh, you don't see anyone at first glance that you recognize. Um, there's a mix of what appears to be locals, sailors, adventuring types, merchants. It's a whole mishmash of different people. Archibald, what's your reaction to arriving? He's going to turn, like, very pale and just double over and put his head between his legs and try not to pass out. So the swirl of color just overwhelms him. Looks around. Dennis. He's seen He's seen a single picture of this, and it appears like the picture. But he's ready to get to work, and he begins looking for someone to ask a question. And actually, Dennis, when you arrive, it's... um. It's like all that, you know, study you've done about the tote language before. It all just hits you all at once, and you just hear this wave of that language. And uh, let's see if, like, you can uh, disseminate what's being said around you initially. Can you give me uh, an intelligence check? 14. Okay. Um, so you guys just appeared in the middle of the street. There are people that have noticed. One that you assume is they're talking about Gator is uh, you can hear some children kind of laugh and they say, oh, oh, 
he looks like the Papa Shango. <gasps> and then they start laughing and giggling and they start like hiding behind some other people. And uh, additionally, you can understand another phrase that's being said about Archibald, which is um, some of the adults, older people, they just kind of like narrow their eyes. and They're saying something to, to the effect of like, oh, another one of those types, another colonialist. You're able to discern exactly what's said about Wrecked and Tucked and yourself. But anyways, you land on the street, you're able to like get those initial uh, voices around you. And then something becomes uh, very clear is that uh, everyone on the street, they seem to be on the sides. You guys are like in the middle of like a road almost. And everyone is lining the streets facing inwards. And the road that you're standing in is essentially barren. And as you kind of stand there for a moment and take everything in, a motley crew of large lizards comes tearing through the streets, each one of them with a rider on its back. People in the streets hurry to get out of the way, looking amused rather than afraid. Cheers erupt as the riders and their mounts blaze by, barreling right towards the party. I need everyone to make a dexterity save, as these things are just browning in the corner and there's about seven of them barreling towards you. Gator, Wreck, Tucked are able to maneuver themselves out of the way. However, Dennis and Archibald um, are not so fast to react and are basically uh, Ronaldoed by a dinosaur leg. You get kicked and knocked and thrown to a side and you're both going to take some damage. Take five bludgeoning damage as you get punted by these massive dinosaurs as they fly by on the street. And after the main group passes, they bipede a lizard with large claws, and this thing looks like a kind of a oversized velociraptor. Flips its rider on its back, the lizard pounces upon its dismounted rider, who scrambles on the ground about 10 feet in front of Dennis. Wrecked, it's your turn, buddy. Wrecked is gonna try and net this dino. 15. So yeah, it hits. So I rush up and I see that dude on the ground. I got this dude! Fucking grab my net, throw it over the dinosaur. (laughs) Even though I have no idea what this fucking thing is, I'm just gonna net this bastard. Got it! So yeah, Dennis, Rex runs past you, throws the net on the dinosaur. You can see this guy on the ground. He's like, he sees you guys in front of him and just instinctively is like scrambling towards your feet. And you can hear him yell out in Cholton, help, help! Your turn, Dennis. Okay, I will run past this guy straight to the dinosaur that's been netted. I see, and I'm going to uh, longsword him. All right. 17. That hits. So you come in and just like pierce it through one of the uh, openings in the net. After that, the dinosaur is not focused on his rider anymore and has just turned his attention to Dennis Archibald. It's your turn. What the fuck you guys doing to this fucking dinosaur? It's just, it belongs to someone. You're like stabbing someone's dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Archibald was knocked prone from the dinosaur and He's still feeling, like, real out of it, so he just vomits. Gator, your turn. I'm just gonna, like, ready an attack if something hostile comes within attack range of Gator. All right. He doesn't seem to... He hasn't put everything together yet to figure out what he should do. Next, it is the dinosaur's turn, and it is, like, thrashing about, and it's gonna use its large hooked foot to try to rip through the net and break free. Yeah, 20. <laughs> wow. Uh, so it just bursts right through it, eviscerating the net. It's probably not usable anymore. It's going to run through the net, basically. And uh, he's going to take one bite at Dennis. So it comes out, snaps at Dennis, misses, and that'll be its turn as it's now free. Very primal, like putting its head down, like really low, kind of bobbing around. 
kind of now seeing that it has two enemies in front of it. And Tuck, it's your turn. Yeah, Tuck is gonna reach behind him and uh, pull out his uh, short bow. That hits. And then for sneak attack, extra d6. He uh, he pulls back, releases the uh, arrow, flies past Archibald's head, past Dennis. Um. So when you shoot the arrow, it looks like it's true, like it's going to hit the dinosaur. And the arrow flies past Archibald, and you can see the arrow just as it's about to hit the dinosaur, it does like this turn, like almost like the arrow itself it starts to bend and force its way backwards and just flies immediately backwards and hits Archibald right in the chest. <laughs> you know I'm like <laughs> on the ground still, right? I do. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so then it wasn't necessary. But so still. what happens? What the fuck? <laughs> so it flies past me over to the dinosaur and like turns back and hits me. Yes, when it does that, not by anything of your own volition, but just it was good, like, positioning or maybe luck but uh, the arrow is going to fly in and it's going to smack right into where you have the shield hanging on you and it'll be resisted so you take only half that damage like he's kind of like surprised by what happens and even like his bulge kind of like stands up for a second like in shock of of what just happened next it is this rider's turn you can see him kind of scramble even he looks confused for a second he's like and wrecked it's your turn i'm thinking about grabbing this woman's scarf <laughs> like I was thinking about like I grab her scarf and I spin her around to get it off of her. She her okay. like she spins in a circle as I pull it like a top. Right. <laughs> and I want to wrap it around the dinosaur's neck and try to put it to sleep. We'll just make it uh, a dexterity check. The moderate fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, you you grab the scarf and you can easily rip it off her head, and uh, it's like revealed. She like, has a, like a bald head and she just kind of grabs at it. <laughs> And you take the scarf and you go to throw it over the the the, uh, the dinosaur, and the, the thing just like catches it in the air and rips it out of your hands, and you don't get advantage on your attack. I'll try to throw it over, and, and then I just see that the dinosaur grabs it, and while it's distracted, I'm going to try to grapple it. Athletics. I take it. Ah, despite that, I even gave him a little bit of a bonus because you failed your thing. So while it's distracted, as like chomping at the scarf, I'll reach around it and start choking it out. Go to sleep, go to sleep. And it's that really, you know, <laughs> muscular kind of uh, scaly neck, and it's just kind of whipping around, snapping back and forth. Dennis, it's your turn. I'm playing the game. Hey, that's gimmick infringement. So as Rex is doing that, I assume that the dinosaur's belly is wide open to be to be struck. I see my opportunity, Fuck and you. I stick my my sword back into his sheath, and I want to sort of do like a an anime <laughs> at its belly. All right, it's kind of a little different than what I imagined, but that's fine. I'll give it to you. It's your first time doing it, so let's give you give me a, uh, I'll say sleight of hand. <laughs> sleight of hand. Yeah. I've got this picture of Trunks when he slices up Frieza into a billion pieces. Ooh. All right. Yeah, you got it. So go ahead. Give me your attack roll with advantage. Yeah, you got him. For eight. I put it in slowly, and then j- as soon as the hilt touches the, the edge of the sheath, I whip it back out. <laughs> Nobody can see me, but that's, or actually, everybody can see me. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I slash it three or four times right in the right in the belly. And the thing is just thrashing around and like Rex is like barely hanging on to it as you're just like eviscerating it. Rex can feel the, the dinosaur kind of like start to, to backpedal. Archibald, it's your turn. Have, uh, have an arrow in your thigh 
and you are covered in your own vomit. You idiot! And he'll just like look from like Tuck to his the arrow in his thigh, and then he's gonna grab the shield and just throw it at Tuck. <laughs> That's an improvised attack roll, right? <laughs> Hits <laughs> for three bludgeoning damage to Tuck. Uh, and then with the movement, he's gonna stand up very gingerly and break the shaft off the arrow. Gator, it's your turn. Gator's gonna watch the guy run past him and take that as a license he needs to go attack, to join in on the fun attacking this big lizard. Rushes down there and goes to, he makes like a leaping forearm shot at the face of the lizard as it's being held by Wrecked. All right, you get advantage because he's uh, restrained. Nice. Targeting. (laughs) Please. Please stop saying targeting out loud so I don't have to edit it out. <laughs> Say it louder so he knows where the spots are to edit it out. Hits. All right, and then I'll, he'll use his bonus action. He like leaps in the air and just clobbers it in the snout. And then he's standing there in front of it. And then he'll just like open it, like just box it in the ears with his other arm follow up. And uh, he just misses. So you come down, hit it on the schnoz, does like the, the kind of thing where he just like cuts off his breath. And uh, on its turn, it's going to raise its head back and feeling that it's not able to really get away from Wrecked really well. He'll use his claws then. So it misses. So yeah, he's just like thrashing about trying to use its small claws or Go its sleek claws to kick down on your legs and you're able to like just dance around it. Quit fucking around. Go to sleep. Tuck, it's your turn. As you just get nailed in the chest with a shield. And verbal insults. Tuck's just gonna throw the shield. Be like, hey, thanks, Archie. He's gonna pull out a short sword. Like, feeling a little weird about shooting another arrow. He pulls out a... Gonna go up there underneath this, like, awning. Going to attack. So the 22 will hit. And then for the sneak attack damage. One. And I'm going to disengage. You come up, pierce it. The thing's got a shit ton of piercing and slashing wounds on his chest. It's kind of bleeding large pools of blood on the ground. Next, the uh, Cholton Rider is going to collect himself and he's going to like run over to Archibald. He's going to put his hands on Archibald's shoulders, uh, but he looks very concerned. I think it's time to put him down. So what I'll do is I'll just, while I've got it grappled, I get my, my hand axe out. I'm just going to try to slice his throat open. Oh, fuck. So the moment you kind of like release him a little bit to get your weapon out to, to chop into him, he's able to kind of throw you off balance a bit. You're gonna miss. I guess he's free now, right? <laughs> yes. If he's if he's free, then I'll use my offhand to do my second attack of him. Miss. Ah! The thing is like rearing up. Dennis, it's your turn. I see, I see my opportunity. And as it's rearing up, I just take a simple slash right in center mass. Hell yeah. It's- Dead. I sling my sword so that the blood flies off, and then I put it back into my sheath, and then I walk over to this guy. You can see some of the uh, the people that are watching, rather than just like signs of relief that the beast is down, they they see lots of like signs of pity on people's faces that they look at the dinosaur. Some guards in these really colorful, they have these long, tall, colorful wooden shields uh, that are painted to match like the murals and the buildings and what. So there's lots of yellows and greens and pinks and whatnot on there. And they're dressed in just skirts, no armor up top, appropriately dressed for the weather. And after you've taken this battle, after you've had this fight, especially Dennis and Wreck to some extent, you can already feel the heat, how it's like really weighing on you guys and your armor is not helping at all. It's really insulating all the heat. I mean, you guys are getting like instantaneous, like swamp ass 
from being here just a few moments. And you can already get the sense that, that this could be a problem later on, the kind of gear that you're wearing in this environment. And you run over to the rider, and he is uh, kind of over Archibald's shoulder right now. And he sees you approach, and you can hear him in Cholton. And he'll just say, uh, he'll just say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much, friend. And he comes up, and he gives you like a pat on the chest. The big lizard friend is no longer problem. Can you help? Ah, you. Ah, yes, you help me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your friend seems hurt. He turns to Pemberton. Ah, friend. Yes. Strange friend. Can you help? He says, ah, ah, ah. And he points to a large domed building uh, very close to where you're standing. And you can even see from that angle, it appears like the dome of the building itself has like a mosaic of an eye that's at the top of the dome. And he points to it and he says, uh, he says to you in Cholton, he says, it's temple. They can help. Ah, thank you. I do not need naked women. We need help. And he looks a little confused and frustrated and he like draws a picture and he like, uh, he writes in Cholton to you and says temple and he like shows it to you. Ah, I understand. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I like how this is going to work now. <laughs> so while this was happening, Pemberton uh, has like limped over to this fountain and taken out the healer's kit and got some bandages. And he's like wiping down his wounds and took the arrowhead out and has like bandaged it up. In short for two minutes and look at me now, this is going to be tough. Let's see what happened to Papa. The man will kind of looked very concerned and he turns to Dennis and he says, tell your friend I feel terrible. It's my responsibility. If you need some place to stay tonight, I will pay for your rooms at the Thundering Lizard. Dennis gives a blank stare as he tries to reconcile what he just heard in his mind. This is his first time speaking Cholton or in listening to actual Cholton being spoken. So he says, okay, can you please say again slowly? I feel bad. Your friend is hurt. I will pay for your room at the Thundering Lizard. It's, uh, you sleep. He, like, does the, puts his hands on his cheek like this. He's like, you sleep? Yes, and eat. Z, 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 z. Dennis. Ah! Okay. And then I, I look over to Archibald. He says, there is a large lizard to sleep in. Wonderful. Could you ask him about an oddities market? Somewhere where I might sell some goods. Okay, I, I will ask. And I look back to the, to the man. Uh, uh, e excuse me, ma'am. I need... <laughs> ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> I need a shop. Ah, yes. Uh, shopping, shopping. Yes, yes, yes. shop, uh, shop. Uh, you must go to Grand Sock. And he, like, points. Dennis reflexively looks at his shoes. Grand Sock? <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Sock, it's, uh... Big market, many, many merchants. Uh, they sell many things. Dennis blank stares for, for a moment. Okay, I understand. And then in perfect Cholton, can you tell us how to get to the big market? 
<laughs> he seems impressed. Like, oh, you speak Jotun very well. He'll give you uh, specific directions on how to get there. If you need uh, guidance, temple. Yeah, he points to the same temple. Temple, Savras. Uh, very smart, wise. God of wizard. And then one more time in perfect Cholton, I ask him, do you know where I can find Jobal? Ah, yes. Uh, Merchant Prince Jobal. He, he contract guides? Yes. Today is, uh, and he says a word that you don't understand. Uh, but he's like, uh, they will all be there at Grand Soak. All Merchant Princes today uh, is uh, in checking they they check they check uh, their wares uh, so you can find him at the grand sok again dennis reflexively looks at his shoes but realizes his error i understand and then i i turn around and call back to everybody we need to go to this big marketplace he says that the guy we're looking for for guides is going to be there at least i think that's what he said Gator has just been like, he just turned away from the defeated enemy. And then he just got in the face of these three women and he was just going, Oh, yeah. Oh, you found that. You played the game and you lost. Ah, ah. Just kind of uh, still on adrenaline high of combat before he gets distracted by Dennis talking to him. And he's like, What's that? Big marketplace. Prince, let's go. And I turn back to the guy. Thank you very much for your help. And he kind of like just nods his head and uh, you can see he'll walk over to the uh, the guards that came earlier as they're standing over the corpse of the dinosaur and they look very irritated and it looks like he has maybe some explaining to do. What's everyone else doing? So with my watcher's eye feature, which allows me to see law enforcement and things like that, would, would these guys look to me as actual law enforcement? Yeah, they the fact that they look identical in their uniform, um, they have to wear the exact same gear. You don't see any other people. The common folk don't seem to be wearing this. Yeah, you get the assumption that this guy is probably a guard, city guard or something like that. So I tossed that lady a, a gold coin for her scarf because I felt bad about it getting torn up. She takes it and she just kind of smiles and shyly like nods. I'll go like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and all of a sudden this is like feudal japan or something uh so she so goes sorry. over and picks, picks up the uh shredded remnants of her her headdress and uh takes your coin and uh you can see like the little her she had a kid with her and the little kid little boy kind of like sticks his arm out and he like touches you and then he runs away giggling so i guess i go up and i want to like inspect what they're wearing and kind of be like yo i'm i'm a city watch back home like how i get some armor like that I got, I got terrible mud butt right now. It's a swamp ass. So they kind of look at each other and it's, there's like that moment of like, uh, I don't know how to talk to this guy. Do you know how to talk to this guy? And then like, one of them is like, look. sticks his hand up and he's like, I'll, I'll take care of it to the other one. And he turns and he says, uh, he says, you guard also. Hmm. You look yeah. hot. Yeah. You can see, uh, actually they have this, um, kind of unique weapon that they're holding more like a spear but it's like a spear but instead of it being mostly just a wooden shaft with a smaller blade on the top it's mostly blade and like half of it's the wooden shaft it looks maybe a little awkward to handle but uh, would be probably pretty good in close quarters and like i said they got these like full body like tall shields as well if you want to use these you can go to grand sok they sell there but uh you must talk to the prince who is responsible for weapons in armor What's this prince's name? Ekine. She's a big woman, large, many scars, very tough. Don't make fun of her, she punch you in the face. 
She's a prince? Yes, she's much in prince. Do I recognize this name? Is this the name of the person we heard? You heard about Jobel, who is responsible oh. for guides. And just like a refresher, I guess, she, Cinder kind of explained maybe very vaguely, or I didn't swing very well, but the whole city is ruled by these merchant, merchant princes. princes. Yeah. And they all have monopolies on different goods and services. <laughs> so if you want a certain kind of thing, you got to talk with this guy. If you want guides, you got to talk to Jobel. If you want weapons, you got to talk to Akene. Thanks for the info, friend. And I'll put my hand on his chest like I saw the other dude do. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning the culture. It's all hot and sweaty, so there's kind of like a little bit of sweaty splash when you do that. And, I just wipe uh, my ass. Just, yeah. And he kind of uh, nods. Says, no worries. Stay safe. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Right now, just to give you some options. I mean, I get, you got the place, the Grand Sock. If you wanted to talk to some princes and get some gear, um, find it. Uh, you need to talk to Joe about getting a guide. Uh, the other thing uh, that would be probably beneficial to do is it gets gather information about where you could go. You got the map, uh, or Archibald has the map of Cholt uh, to try to get some directions about where you should head off first as well. But right now it's still really early morning, and the sun is you know slowly rising, so it's getting more and more intense heat. And people now that the lizards have passed, people are kind of filling the streets as normal again in this part of the town. That goes up the. Bold. I don't know what happened back there. Anyways, looks like you're okay now. <laughs> um, Alright, now I need to get that book back. Yes, I think Um, sorry I lost my temper a bit. I'll take that shield back now. You know uh, yes. Alright, yes. Of course. Uh, the book, though. You have the book, right? Uh, Well, it's back at the the inn. The book. Why? Why, See, um, why is it in the inn? Well, it was very dangerous to keep it around. Are you aware of what it yeah, was? I need that book. What are you telling me? And Tuck starts to, to get very flustered by this. Wait, I think here I have another book right here. And Archibald will just pull out a, uh, it's uh, like a guide to Chultz that he had. He'll pull it out. Yeah, right. You can have this book. I'm, I'm from Chult. I I am from Chult. I need that book. Just like, you know, smack the book out of his hand. You have no idea what you've done. I have to get back. No need to get bent out of shape here. Um, and Archibald's going to, like, edge over the gator. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can find an adequate solution here. But uh, there's no getting that book back, I'm afraid. It uh, had to be destroyed. You destroyed it? Uh, yes, yes, as I said, it was very dangerous to keep around. So, um, I did the right thing for all of us, and I destroyed it. Ew. Now, if you need a book, I have this one here. It's quite nice. Very informative. At this point, Taku is just frustrated, and he just, like, pushed Archibald out of the way, and, uh, and he's just like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, uh, all that work. I, uh, you, you lied to me. That's uh, Archibald's response. <laughs> <laughs> to Gator, Archibald's. Mr. Gator, I think um, I think our cat friend is a little remiss about destroying that Lish's book. Perhaps we could keep an eye on him, make sure he doesn't do anything crazy. And Gator just kind of like looks down at him and uh, nods slowly. Remind you say we need to burn that book. I think you did the right thing, brother. Thank you. It's good to know I have you on my side. For now. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'll kill you. Oh, oh. He just casually intimidates even his allies. <laughs> From out of the crowd, 
right behind Tuck. Two Tabaxi are going to walk forward. Uh, one of them looks more like an ocelot, and the other one looks more like a snow leopard. And the ocelot-looking one has this very visible scar across her neck. They look like they have adventuring gear on their back, and they pop up right behind Tuck's shoulders. And the ocelot-looking one puts their hand on Tuck's shoulder and like looks to uh, Archibald and Gator almost in a menacing way. And it speaks out and he says, Are you accosting our friend here? Archibald's gonna like back up and he's now holding the spider shield up in front of him. The in-game atmosphere and music in this episode was provided by Sirenscape.